0: Benefield, Chris, how are you doing this evening? Uh, you know,
1: hanging in there, working on on school stuff all day.
0: Wonderful. Now you have to the semester's gonna be close to being over, no?
1: Uh yeah, it is, but that means I have all the end of the semester crap to do. So. Excellent. So we are
0: continuing our endeavor here with trying to get out a weekly episode of the podcast. We're gonna introduce a few new ideas here this week. Got a couple of segments, which we're excited about. We did uh, more preparation than the first episode, and we're going to shoot.
1: Which means some. (laughs) I (laughs) prepared for that first episode. I (laughs) I know. You did. You did. I definitely did not. I had thoughts. I had many Mm -hmm. thoughts.
0: So, yeah, if you missed it, we had our first episode last week where we really just processed the death of Chris Cornell, who... Uh, certainly was somebody who was meaningful to, to me and just that whole Seattle music scene during our formative years uh, in high school, early college. So if you had any kind of connection to that music and have some thoughts about uh, him passing, I, I think it's a good episode to listen to. It probably wasn't the best topic for a first episode to really lure people in because we spent some time talking about depression, suicide, grief. Um, you talked about the show Thirteen Reasons Why, and like your mm-hmm. training as a school counselor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, over the last week, having recorded that show and then put it up, uh, what what were your thoughts? Kind of reflecting on our our first and our first episode.
1: Um, my first thought was to move how I'm recording to the show because I was annoyed by hearing all of my really heavy breathing as I kind of shifted around and, and my lazy recline position I was in the last time. So uh, or it may just be the drawback of using way too expensive of a microphone for this, but uh, hopefully that'll be better this time. <laughs> but uh, pro tip: don't yeah. use the CPAP while we're recording. <laughs> right. So. I, I, my main reaction was just that I enjoy doing it, and as we were doing it, I kind of felt like, eh, uh, you know, I'm not sure if this. And then when I went back and listened to it, I found that there was a lot of stuff that I didn't really even take in as well as maybe I I, I should have. But maybe it's just being the the first time we were doing this that I was more focusing on what i had to say and whatnot and not being really present so i i i enjoy listening back to it so i hope some other people did too
0: yeah so we'll jump right into it here you know we have a a main topic we want to get into that is once again music related but hopefully more uplifting (laughs) than than talking about suicide and grief and depression um, but first, we're going to jump into a a, a segment we're going to do from time to time, or maybe all the time. Um, so we have a a track of the week. You are definitely someone who's into music, and this was your recommendation. Uh, so why don't you take it away?
1: Track of the week. We we got to get that that going. Uh, yeah. So I think we we just want to start doing a number of segments. We probably won't do them every time because I think we have a lot of different ideas about things that might be interesting but when we feel like it's a week to do that we'll, we'll do something like track of the week even though it might not have occurred for a few weeks so i'm nothing if not someone that loves to troll mike so i really wanted to 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 go use some ryan adams for this but i feel like ryan's album has been out for long enough that it wasn't really new enough and about a week ago one of my very favorite bands who i can also are you talking mike about brian adams Yes, absolutely. Talking about Brian with a B, Adam's I think you said his name wrong. I was just trying to (laughs) correct (laughs) Yeah, Exactly. Uh, So instead, uh, like I said, about a week ago, this got announced. We kind of knew this was coming, but not didn't know when we were getting stuff. And then um, within about 24 hours, there were some announcements and there was this song and video online, which is everything now. By Arcade Fire. Yeah, to me, it's just kind of everything, if you're an Arcade Fire fan, that you're looking for in one of their songs. It's got sort of suitably vague, but uh, good lyrics that people tend to apply to their their own life and their situations. It's got a very sing-along chorus to it. Interesting arrangement. And uh, yeah, I dig it a lot. Uh, I know from the, the music world that I'm far from alone. Mike probably hates it, but that is my track of the week you should definitely check it out check out the video if you have not seen it and it's your kind of thing
0: and i know you were trying to share some of the music there but i do not hear anything <laughs> of course you don't all right let's which maybe would have gotten us in trouble anyway if arcade fire is you know tuned in locked into every podcast that tries to use their music without without permission
1: look we're, we're doing them a promotional favor they're like eight more people that are going to check this out because oh, we're this.
0: totally right. putting asses in the seats, is what we <laughs> All
1: right. Can you hear it this time? Hey, there you go. Okay, perfect. So th- here's a very, very short taste.
0: No, there actually, it's no taste at all. It's not there anymore.
1: <laughs> oh, no? No. All right, well, we're giving up on it then.
0: Yeah, well, technical uh, snafus aside, they've been around for a while. I'm not... Up to speed on—I don't hate the band. I really, honestly, don't know much about them. When did they form? I, you
1: know, I—I'm not a uh, let me give you their exact history kind of guy. I believe you are—you are definitely an audiophile. <laughs> that their first record that was released here in the states came out uh, two thousand and two, two thousand three, somewhere in that range. And so where do uh, they
0: hail from?
1: They are Canadian. Um, well, well, that's why band, I've never heard of them. Most of the band is no, Canadian. I've, I've heard of them. <laughs> uh, I believe that the uh, singer and his brother, who are both in the band, are maybe born in Texas, but then ended up in Canada, is, is how that story goes. Google is
0: telling me they're an indie rock band based in Montreal, Quebec.
1: Yes, they are based in, in Montreal now. You will find some French in some of their songs too. Interesting. Uh, but but yeah, two thousand five, and about that time, uh, a younger Chris saw them here locally in a small venue, and it was just they had just really broken on the radio. So it was one of those deals where like when they booked it, that was the appropriate place, and then by the time they were here to play it, it was not the appropriate place. So we were crammed in there like sardines. And it was one of my very favorite shows, which is a tribute to how good it was. Because that is not really my my thing to be, you know, squished by all the people around you. And uh, yeah, I think pretty much all of their albums have been amazing. And we don't know much about this one other than that song, but it's a good start.
0: And they are they're playing here in St. Paul, Minnesota. It looks like later in the year, and they're playing the hockey arena, so the big.
1: Yeah yeah, so they've graduated Excel from Center. the like, you know, three hundred person venue I saw them in the first time. But yeah, I'm actually gonna try to uh nap tickets to that tomorrow morning.
0: Oh, is that when they go on sale?
1: Well, it's one of, one of these deals now that there's already a pre sale going, but I've, you know, wasn't signed up wherever I needed to be for that, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Excellent.
0: Yeah, so for for my selection of the week, I'm going with a a band that put out an album here within the last month or so, uh, Paramore which is a group I've liked over the years and the song is, this first single from the album is Hard Times which seemed like kind of an easy selection so I went a different song that really stood out from listening to the album while I was mowing the yard over the weekend and just had this album playing on repeat while I was out there doing yard stuff so, but Fake Happy is the name of the song and I just love the lyrics, I love the um, sound of the song, because it's very—it's a very upbeat song, but if you listen to the words, it's all about masking depression and just putting on being fake happy to get by, which sort of ties into our, <laughs> our first episode, which we were referencing. But yeah, it's just a really catchy tune, I think it has a good message in some ways for people to monitor. And when I, when I first heard it, it just felt like it was describing social media, <laughs> everybody posting on Facebook and Twitter and really just highlighting the very positive things that are going on in, in their life and kind of putting on a show for themselves and everybody else. But in reality, the situation is much more uh, back and forth or up and down. Hey, we talked
1: about that a little bit last week.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I uh, do not have the capabilities you have to try to play that song, but uh, it's definitely available on things like you know all your streaming services of choice. Um, I would encourage you to listen to "Fake Happy"
1: by Paramore, and the whole album's good. So tell me a little bit more about Paramore because I think this is more or less the extent of my. I mean, I, I've heard some of the songs and whatnot, but I think just red-headed lead singer. That's that's or kind of orange, right? i think it changes but really what more do you need to know
0: (laughs) right no i think the first time i was exposed to them was playing the game rock band or guitar hero yeah that's definitely one of my exposures too. they were so that was i think they started around 2004 2005 i'm trying to think what game when the rock band game came out or guitar hero came out first and that was, I think the first Guitar Hero was probably around 2005 or so? Yeah, somewhere in that range. I just remember because I was playing it, or maybe that was Guitar Hero 2, but I was playing one of them. <laughs> I was playing Guitar Hero or Guitar Hero 2. I think it was the first one. I could have been the second. But regardless, I was playing it in my apartment in Houston, Texas, and I only lived there for about six months, so I know like exactly what time span that was. And I used to play in our second bedroom in our apartment while on the treadmill, which was probably not the safest thing to be doing. But I would <laughs> I would walk and play video games, and Guitar Hero was one of the games I was playing at that time, so that's what I played. So
1: so you were walking and handling a guitar and playing all at the same time? Yeah. Well,
0: and that's I, impressive. I sort of maxed out on, like I could do all the medium songs well, but hard was kind of a bridge too far for me. On, uh, I could play hard on some of the easier tunes, but after it, it, it advanced a little bit in levels, I, I had to cash out. But anyway, but that's the first time I was exposed to Paramore and I've listened to their albums. And I don't own any Paramore albums, and that's something that is going to be a topic of conversation in our main. Our main event, so to speak, our main topic here, is just how listening and consuming music has changed over times. Mm-hmm. So I honestly don't know a ton about them. I just know I like like their sound, listen to their albums from time to time. Certainly not a Paramore expert. So yeah, that's the song. It starts out a little slow, but it definitely picks up. Oh, there you go. Oh. Oh, no. oh, the oh, and she just has a p- very killer voice. So we're uh, continuing to tweak the audio visual effects or i guess audio effects as you will so yeah we were going back and forth about different things we were interested in talking about and one thing that as Chris alluded to earlier he we kind of give each other a hard time about the type of music we listen to or don't listen to over the years and just got into a little bit of a conversation about how listening to music has changed over time over the past you know 15 20 years and also the types of music that we listen to as we age. What are your initial thoughts about this?
1: So, you know, my initial thought is actually uh, that I don't know many people that have stopped listening to new music, um, and I think that's a function of the kind of people that I tend to spend time around. <laughs> but well, you go to
0: record stores and stuff like that. You are—I don't think you're in the norm.
1: Right. And you and, have a record
0: collection I, at your house. You have turntables. Thus, your picture I, in the podcast logo.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I was going to talk about this a little bit because at least one of your um, things that you preface this conversation with when you propose the topic is just the presumption that people don't buy albums anymore, which i definitely think is largely true but that was one of the, the things i was going to point out is that there is a small but dedicated group of people still buying records who very much do still buy albums because you know that's <laughs> kind of the preferred format there um and uh i believe this is the fourth or fifth year in a row that uh that has set new records for for vinyl sales you know and the uh the modern era, since since vinyl first, you know, kind of went went the way of the the dodo back in the days. So you do have that contingent, like me, that are out there. Um, you know, the numbers are in the millions, which sounds good, but when you think of how many total people are listening to music in the U.S., it's still a pretty small demographic.
0: So I'm looking at an article from Spin, which I don't know what your thoughts are on Spin, but just looking things up. So it says 2016. The worst year for album sales since the last one. And it's just saying <laughs> right. kind of streaming is uh, eating other formats for lunch. So this is just an article um, from July 6, 2016, so about a year old. And just the gist is that CD sales continue to decline. Um, digital album sales are dropping down. And that there were only three albums have sold more than one million copies in, 20, in the middle of 2016. Uh, mm-hmm. Drake, Beyonce, and Adele.
1: Uh, mm-hmm.
0: and i just recall back back in the day so i'll get my in my old man yelling at clouds voice on right like album releases were a big deal there was build up it was like the new guns N' roses album is coming out like next month or like things like that and then obviously mm-hmm. that went away over over time and now artists have to come up with these creative ways to try to get any traction in our media culture like Beyonce had the whole Lemonade thing where I think she released like a bunch of videos or like about it.
1: Um, well, I think the biggest thing was she released it kind of... Surprise. Yeah, out yeah. of nowhere, that people didn't really... Which is definitely one of the things that you see... Adele's album was definitely
0: anticipated, certainly, and there's still some right. marquee artists who, like, and their fans are waiting for the albums, but I feel like it doesn't have as much cultural capital as it used to. Everything's so what's the right word i'm looking for it's like here and there it's just like gone it's the same thing with politics like something that's a scandal that would have dominated news coverage for two months now is in the news for six hours and then something else happens and everyone moves on (laughs) it's it's very unfortunate so but there's definitely people like like yourself who are into um, vinyl and mm -hmm. i think that's kind of thriving because it's almost it's it's almost like its own hobby. Like if you're into buying records, that's part of your identity. It's not just part of everybody's interest. (laughs) If that makes sense.
1: Yep. And I, I think it's been interesting to see because when I first started doing it, my assumption was that it was mainly kind of people that grew up with having records around. And so there was that nostalgia factor to go with it. But, um, You know, there definitely is I don't want to use the H word, but there's, you know, younger people (laughs) that are really into this, too, that don't. I
0: thought you were going to say millennials. I don't know if we're allowed to say that.
1: Yeah, that would be the other one. Uh, But anyway, that are really into it as well and obviously don't have that nostalgia factor. So, I mean, I think part of it is just that it is sort of the anti, you know, digital streaming. Um, The focus tends to be on. Just sitting there and, like, listening and enjoying to it, listening to, like, a whole side of a record, because it's it's a pain in the ass to skip tracks around on a a record. Right. Uh, And usually going with that is, like, a focus on audio quality, like the setup and having it sound good instead of, like, coming out of crappy earbuds or you know a wireless speaker that has no bass you know things like that <laughs> you know so yeah I, I think that's all part of it um but i do think part of it it is it is kind of the anti clicking around everywhere streaming playing this playlist and just skipping to this track and whatnot like it's just has a different feel to it um there's a whole ritual with getting it out there's of course like the huge artwork on the album that you can actually see and enjoy. and Or even frame. Into, yeah. Um, and if you're into such things, you know, you, there's liner notes and you can read, you know, things that the nerdy music people like me really enjoy. Um, but obviously still a small slice of the overall pie that's out there. It still represents a lot of money for record companies. Like I know they're pretty excited that that has been a thing because, um, you know, digital does make them money, but obviously in tiny, tiny increments, (laughs) whereas, um, you know, people are still spending, you know, around 20 bucks or more, uh, when they buy a brand new, um, pressed record. So,
0: and it used to be for me, I mean, for, well over 10 years it was a a ritual of sorts to go to i mean back in the 90s or even the 80s well 80s it was tapes so I'm dating myself even here but get like cassette tapes um yep. and for younger listeners i don't even know if they've seen a cassette tape but um, <laughs> kind of same idea as a record it had sides you would play you know five six songs on one side flip the tape over play the songs on the second side and you'd make mixtapes You'd record songs from the radio, or if you had a tape deck with two uh, tape players, you could play the song and record it onto the other tape, and you would make mixtapes of your favorite songs. Now you just make playlists, and yeah,
1: man, it's sad. the The art of the mixtape has really been, you know, and we're not talking about like the the rap mixtape that gets you know those are cool but a different thing like this is like you painstakingly making your personal mix for your friend or trying to impress a girl or whatnot and, and it took, choosing it took those time, tracks time, it
0: took effort oh yeah now oh yeah for example you were you were here a few weeks ago and i just went on the spotify and like clicked on a few songs and then that links to a few other songs and you can put together a playlist in seconds um, for a party or a get-together mm-hmm. and it doesn't really mean anything it's just it's like oh yeah you've Congratulations, you put together a few songs like before, <laughs> before it really it really was it, it took some time, some effort and some craftsmanship i I thought I still remember some of the sequencing of like my some of the different tapes I made, but either here nor there, <laughs> but like you would go to like stores in the mall like Sam Goody, which was a music store or there was any number of ones and then it turned into going to Best Buy like every week they would have new albums released so kind of like with folks who collect comic books you go to your comic book store on comic book day when the new issues are released you'd go to the store when new albums were out I think for a while it was Tuesdays and then for the longest time I think it was Wednesdays now I think everything digital it's on Friday isn't it
1: so I still think like actual physical releases tend to happen on Tuesdays okay I could be wrong but I feel like uh on you know some of the radio stations and online things that do you know here's new music that's out i feel like tuesday is still the day for that but you know being self-employed for the last 10 years and whatnot i often live in a world without days of the week. sure i'm not the most reliable source on these things
0: and that's the thing like i think starting around you know, with iPods that that came out because I was late to the iPod thing. I remember folks in graduate graduate school had them, and this is around the time like Pod uh, Palm Pilots were
1: also a thing. <laughs> Are we just gonna touch on every oh yeah piece we're totally of, like outdated technology yes. in one episode? Yeah, no. But
0: I remember my advisor,
1: my advisor, and then I was using my ColecoVision. Vision, and that Coleco football <laughs> game
0: was awesome. Um, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. So no, my advisor at graduate school had gotten me a Palm Pilot, like with her research money, and I just remember thinking, like, I'm so cool. I have a Palm Pilot. <laughs> um, this is like 2001 or so. Right. So yeah, I just I think around the mid 2000s, I stopped buying CDs quite as much. I would buy obviously like bands that I love, like Pearl Jam. I'm going to buy their album. But even that, it's like that's all I get. I can't even remember the last CD I purchased. I, well, I know it was it was the Hamilton soundtrack because we went to the show, but we bought it at the show so because we hadn't heard it before we went into the show blind. Um, but otherwise, like going to a store to buy a CD, I don't think I've done that in years. And I just had to kind of lost well compromise with my wife because I had boxes and boxes of CDs. I think between the two of us we had something like six hundred or seven hundred CDs.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: before, I used to have them lined up in alphabetical order, and it was kind of a collection thing. And then it just became something that was collecting dust because we never played CDs. We were always listening to a streaming device or, well, first an iPod and now streaming stuff. And it just became heavy and somewhat of an eyesore, and they went in the boxes, and they were taking up space. And we just had the baby and needed to clear some space, so I put all the CDs into three or four cases like those books and Mm -hmm. recycled all the cd jewel cases which was really sad i was really right bummed out about all that but it just it didn't make sense to just have them sitting in boxes
1: yeah i mean i still have all of mine out in alphabetical order and then organized by genres (laughs) like i said Uh, audiophile not not autobiographical. I haven't. We haven't gone that far yet. But uh, high fidelity shout out if anybody <laughs> likes that movie. But um, yeah. I mean, uh, no one under the age so, of twenty is listening. Don't worry. Right. Hi <laughs> <laughs> what? What are they talking about? Pom pie. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's it. You know, there's no putting it back in the box. I mean, streaming is here. We both use it. I think we, you know, I, even though I listen to records, I still listen to streams more than I listen to records because I can take it. You know, I can now in my car, I can listen to streaming music as we go and whatnot. And there's just that convenience factor of when you want to quick hear a song. I hope there's still going to always be a place, and I think that there will be for people that are really into music. And I, th- one thing I was thinking about when you are talking about your rituals around buying music is that it doesn't sound like you ever connected with, like, a local record store, music store kind of place to buy oh, your music. Because I never got into vinyl. Well, but, I mean, even before that, like, w- as soon as I went to college you know i was in athens georgia big music town and there's you know lots of local stores that did actually still have records at that point even though like virtually nobody was was listening to records at that point in fact i could have picked up a couple of really rare releases at that time and made lots of money i think pearl jam animal is one of those that there's like a very limited vinyl release originally of that was worth a lot of money but anyway but, yeah, that just started to be part of one of my things around buying music was going to local music shops. And then, you know, here when we are in Minneapolis-St. Paul, there's Cheapo, which is kind of a local chain that had huge stores with CDs and records and whatnot. And so we'd go there and then found the other kind of smaller but more interesting places. And, you know, you get to talk to people. There's employee recommendations that are from like actual other music fans which is i think a huge part of the experience for people so i definitely want to plug you know people maybe trying to go to your local <laughs> record store they they do usually still have cds too if that's your thing um, really? and how, many, have like,
0: how many how many exist these days
1: uh well it depends on where you live i mean i think a lot of places of any size will have at least one or two um, because it's a, still a viable business because there are the, the die-hard vinyl people. But you know, like Minneapolis has the Electric Fetus, which has you know been around for forever. Um, got some some publicity nationally recently when when. Prince died and and got lots of mentions uh, around the Prince bits with uh, with the fetus. but it's you know there's still CDs there's new there's used there's tons of stuff great place to go to I think most towns have at least something Um, so yeah it's a it's a much like going to a comic shop it's a great place to go for running into like-minded people and getting exposed to some different music that maybe you know you don't get exposed to through the other thing i mean obviously there's tons of great online resources and you can use those to find new interesting music too but still if you have any sort of social needs or component to your buying music or things like that i know that i do it's good to get out to those places
0: Well, and what you're talking about ties into this research article that I found this week, again, preparing for this episode. So there, there's some, there's some preparation going into these things, folks. (laughs) Um, So I was, you're kind of talking about this idea of, of musical engagement and how that changes over time for, for some people. So there's a study from a few years ago. It's in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. Um, So I don't know if it's available online. It's probably copyright. But if you are on college or campus and have a library, you can probably find it. It's from a 2013 article titled Music Through the Ages, Trends in Musical Engagement and Preferences from Adolescent Through Middle Adulthood. Because it's a psychology paper, it has to have a long, cumbersome title. So a few of the things that jumped out from this study and they had something ridiculous, like a quarter million participants. They were, you know, analyzing different um, pieces of data. And a few of the things they found that I was, I thought, was kind of interesting was that people's engagement with music declines over over time from adolescent to middle adulthood. Which you're saying that's not accurate for you, certainly. But I think it seems like for most people that they looked at, there was kind of a trend where people spend less time with music as they get older. And another thing they found is that young people engage in music in more venues, in more areas of their life, where as you get older, you tend to do it in more private venues, non-public venues. How does that square with your relationship with music? It sounds like it doesn't.
1: Well, okay, so... This is. I, I want to be really careful about how I say this, so that it doesn't sound sort of snotty or something like that. But you are a pretentious I, I, hipster. Just let it flow, man. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that undoubtedly that that's true. What the article is saying. I mean, even for me, like obviously, I get out to way less shows than I do than I did when I was twenty two. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a a fact of life. That being said, I've had this sort of evolving theory that I'll talk about with people sometimes around music because I just think there's different sort of purposes for music and so I think some of what that article is talking about is like you know say when you're a teen or you're in your your early twenties and you're going to parties and stuff like that. Like music has a function. That's not just about enjoying music. It's kind of a shared experience, shared song, stuff like that. But because you enjoy that in that moment and whatnot, doesn't really make you like necessarily a music fan. I mean, all music fans probably also have those moments, but (laughs) that is definitely something that will go away with time because it was really more about the moment than it was as much about the music. And you, maybe you are still nostalgic for the music, but I think, to some degree, those are the same people that then turn around and say things like, "Oh, well, all the good music was made before this date," or they don't make any good music anymore, you know, because of X and Y, or nothing good happened after nineteen whatever ninety-five, you know, whatever it is. The cutoffs are different for each generation. And I think that's more about and I think it relates to what you were talking about in the article of like what you use music for, how you connect with it. Um, And none of those are necessarily less valid than than the other. But my experience is people that really just love music, like just never stop connecting with new music. Um, They might get set in their ways. They might only really want to hear like the, you know, the typical stereotype of like. The dad that's really into jazz or something like that, like they may narrow their interests, but they're still out there finding new stuff and stuff that they like. Whatever those interests, yeah. And I, you know, tend- I think it's interesting how
0: how the musical preferences I don't know if crystallize is the right word, but like sort of get set and and don't change over time. So my son, who's five months old today, we're recording, and you know, hopefully if. You know, he's going off to college or doing whatever in about 20, well, you know, 18 years or so. You know, as I'm driving him around and stuff, like, I'm still going to be listening to Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Guns N' Roses and Bon Jovi and like Zeppelin and all this stuff. And those artists are going to be so old (laughs) Mm -hmm. for him. And I'm sure there'll be, you know, maybe new music that I'm listening to, but there's going to be part of me that always wants to hang on to like the music I grew up with. And I think just from a time perspective, it kind of shuts you down to even being curious about, Oh, I wonder what's new that I might like, or let me just listen to an album that I've never heard of before just to see what it's all about. Like, I I think that just becomes less of a priority.
1: I mean, I think you are absolutely right for a lot of people because I think music serves a slightly different purpose in their lives. Again, like I don't feel like I know that many of those people. Like I feel like most people I know. And I mean, even you. Like you're. I mean, you had already brought up Paramore before we agreed on this topic, so it wasn't like you just went and found that because I said you had to come with the track of the week. How, like can, it was, I can,
0: how can I can impress Chris with like something that's right. new? <laughs> it,
1: you know, it, and like you know, when we sat around the the fire last week or whatever that was and we're talking about music like everybody there had some new music that they were listening to or that they were into I mean some more than others and I think at least one person threw out the like no good music happened after the 90s take which you know I I always think that whenever those things come up that's it's just kind of lazy right it's more like you you stopped really wanting to find new things to connect kind of like you were just talking about rather than those things aren't out there
0: yeah i mean i i'm trying to think of the last album from a new artist that really struck me and i I think the one that was probably about within the last five years was was dead sarah um Mm -hmm. it's this la based rock band with a female vocalist female guitar player i think two other guys in the band and just i think the first song i heard on the radio was this song called weatherman And I just remember, because I had in Houston, I had to drive a lot. I was doing home visits, um, counseling folks in their homes, so I was on the road a lot in the car. And I heard this song, and I just, I like, almost had to pull over. I'm like, what is this? It just sort of blew me away. And then, being that I had Spotify, I was just like, oh, let me listen to this album. And I felt so compelled that I was like, I need to buy this. I need to support this artist. Like this whole album is phenomenal. And like, I went. They were opening up for um, Muse here in Minneapolis, and I saw them a few years later open up. But I was like bummed that they only played like 20 some minutes because hardly anybody was mm. there to see them. Everyone was there for Muse. It was like this big stadium show, and I was and I right. was thinking like, well, I guess I'll stay for
1: Muse, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be me too. I'm not not a big huge, fan. Um,
0: but like there hasn't been that many artists over the last five ten years that have been that impactful of like wow, this means something to me or this is connecting with me in a different way. Whereas, hmm. like, you know, in my teens and 20s and even, you know, early 30s, maybe it, it was like a music or an album or a song, it connects to specific life events. And like you hang on to those memories and it means something. And, you know, maybe that'll mm-hmm. change with, you know, my son is like things are going on in his life, you know, music is out and it, and it connects in a new way. But I don't know, it just it feels it feels different. Than it than it did when I was younger, which I guess is Captain Obvious, but
1: yeah, and I, I mean I definitely think that that's a thing. Like it's you know it, <laughs> we talked about last week, like kind of how you know when we were talking about Soundgarden, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, like that those came out at an age that I was still kind of much more willing to be a fanboy about a group that I just you know I don't have the I don't connect in quite that same way with the band. Now I still get really excited for new music and find lots of stuff that I really enjoy or that like does really kind of score a moment in time or, you know, becomes really important to me, but I don't, I don't get all googly eyed over, over a band anymore in quite the same way. So, I mean, it, it's different. And I think for people that, aren't as into music like I always joke that there's kind of like there's like this class of people that say they don't you know they they like music and then you go to their house and you know back in the day there'd be like five cds and inevitably one of them is like Jimmy Buffett's greatest hits and one of them is the eagle's greatest hits and then there's like three other things and that's all they have and to me like that person actually doesn't like music. And um, and then it just kinda ranges up up from there to, you know, the various levels of how much you're really into music, how much you play music, how much right. it, you know, it it factors in your life.
0: Well it's interesting, that ties into something else in this article, and I don't want to go too deep into it. It it like separated music into different genres. So it has mellow, sophisticated, unpretentious, intense, and contemporary. And mm-hmm. it kind of Checked in with people about their preferences for music over the span of like age 15 to age 65. And one of the things that is high when people are younger is they like prefer music that's intense and then that drops off starting in your starts to tail off after the age of 25 or so and then dips down like really low and like when you're 50 and 60. And again, that's not everybody, that's just kind of a prediction line for and again, they had a quarter of a million people, so they there's got a lot of data to play with and contemporary is also kind of follows that same curve where I think you're kind of more locked into what's going on in current pop culture when you're younger. Mm-hmm. And then as you get older, you're, that's not as important anymore.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see too, if these uh, trends shift a little bit, because I feel like I see a lot more people, just the fact that there's like baby clothes with band names on them and stuff now that, that, that didn't exist. 20 years ago so i you know i, I think that people maybe are changing some of some of those i i think we carry around a lot of standards about how adults are supposed to be and whatnot and then those those standards shift over time so i f- i feel like there's a little bit of a change there in terms of when i wonder people's willingness to to still engage with it and go out to shows or put slap a, a you know, a name on your, on your baby and carry them around.
0: And I wonder if maybe the kind of final things before we move on to our end and the show is I think technology really tips things on its head because yes, album sales are down and, and like streaming has very much changed things. But at the same time, I mean, except for a few artists, like I can turn on my phone and listen to pretty much anything I want to or mm-hmm. go to any kind of new like new music Fridays on Spotify and like say oh who released an album and just listen to something mm-hmm. like there's no barriers for me finding new music besides time and interest where like I don't have to go to a new I mean certainly for local bands and things like that you like go into a local record shop and find a new music but it seems like it's easier than ever to listen to an artist you want to yeah. Um, but at the same time the artists aren't doing well, which is unfortunate. So
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, it's also overwhelming when you have all of those yeah, choices. Definitely. Um and so there's almost like a I don't even quite know what the right word is, but like there can be like a paralysis of like having all of the choices <laughs> in front of so you. So that's why you need to of... tune
0: in each week and listen to uh, you know our tracks of the week. Track of the exactly, week. Exactly to to set you in the right path.
1: Yeah, but I you know I still find I go to various places that are recommending music just to give me sort of a, or I, one of my favorite things to do is to throw it out on Facebook to my friends and say that I'm bored. What you listen to and, you know, promise I'll listen to whatever you say and almost always find some some cool things that I, I didn't know about. So you, you still got to find some way to cut down the options or get a recommendation from somebody that you care about or trust or think has an opinion worth listening to and, and take it from there. Yeah. So
0: we're going to end the show here today with uh, another new segment called Be Kind, Rewind, which... Again it's a little retro thing, so we are going to recommend each going to recommend a movie that we didn't even set a time frame on this, but uh a movie from our younger days that uh, mm-hmm. you should watch and we have not shared our selections with each other, so I'm curious to hear what you're what you're going to go with
1: you know if people know me i'm just I'm staying right on type here <laughs> but so my choice, uh, I believe came out in 1992 and that fine film is known in America as super cop. Um, it's actually police story three super cop, but this is probably the penultimate Jackie Chan movie in terms of ridiculous action and stunts. So you know people that are listening that like you know nerdy things or p- this probably know all these things already but in case you're not familiar with Jackie Chan he it, well, you probably are to some degree I mean but who hasn't seen Shanghai wish- Noon really come on <laughs> <laughs> right but so Jackie Chan is is sort of it was huge obviously in Asia one of Asia's all-time biggest stars and what he's really famous for doing is um he was a giant fan of American uh, like silent film stars like Buster Keaton and, and people like that that did a lot of physical stunts and did their own stunts. And that's what he brought to these movies. They're always sort of kung fu movies and there's amazing choreographed fight scenes. He has a whole team that do these things with them and just do crazy crazy things with that too but there's usually a, you know in his most popular films there's several show-stopping stunts and this movie kind of has a whole bunch of them and the best thing or one of the best things about watching a jackie chan movie is that there's almost always kind of a blooper reel after at the end of the credits or during the credits that shows them doing the stunts which is Just crazy. They they absolutely cannot be insured because they just do some of the stupidest things you've ever seen, like trying to jump a motorcycle onto a moving train with only cardboard boxes to break the fall if you miss. Like, it's just just crazy. Um, So it's not – strong on plot or necessarily even acting um most of his movies are a little weak in these things but more than makes up for it with just uh the amazing fight choreography if that's your kind of thing and the insane stunts and this movie is also um a big movie for michelle Yeoh, um who it was you know super popular female action star she also was in a number of american movies she was uh, in a james bond movie back in the day and whatnot so you may recognize her and she is also great um so yeah for sure if it's at all your kind of thing and you happen to have not seen it check it now,
0: out do you know if that's on netflix or um, you know, amazon or,
1: or anything like that i it was on netflix not very long ago because i i watched part of it you know how these things go with movies. They come and go from the streaming services. So whether it's on Netflix or Amazon right now, I cannot say. But it is worth paying the the 2 to $3 rental if uh, you know it's not there right now. Uh, a lot of his movies you can actually find um, on YouTube and I think legally on YouTube because they don't always have good distribution deals. Supercop is one that does those. So you, you may have to pay for it to be able to watch it. But you can find other cool Jackie Chan stuff on YouTube for free.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if I've seen that movie. I've seen a ton of Jackie Chan movies, but I don't know if I've seen Supercop. Maybe I've seen Bits and Pieces, but I don't think I've actually sat down and watched the whole thing. But excellent. Well, you should. I should. So my film that I'm going with is around the same time frame, but a little bit of a different genre. So I'm going with the the masterpiece with the fantastic duo of Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez um and it's not young guns it is men at work a (laughs) a comedy of sorts of i'm going to read the imdb summary here two garbage men undercover or two garbage men uncover a conspiracy involving illegal toxic waste dumping and decide to bring a whole operation down it is silliness there's just it's not a great movie but it's a fun movie to watch if that makes any sense it's kind of the height of those two guys being at the time pretty big movie stars. I think they made this movie mm-hmm. and it flopped and that was sort of they didn't really make a ton of other movies together. So it just has a few a lot of sight gags and it just I remember watching this movie a ton when I was in high school. It just was funny and had some goofy laughs in there. And um, I was looking through the cast to see who else was in the movie. So Keith David, he's been in a bunch of stuff over the years, not to be confused with David Keith, um, the guy from (laughs) Officer and a Gentleman. Or Toby Keith. Or Toby Keith. But one of the things that just blew my mind when I was looking at the cast, so if anyone's familiar with this movie, Charlie Sheen is, they live in this apartment complex, and he just has this habit of, spying on neighbors with binoculars. So just some casual voyeurism. You know, what are you going to do? So he spies on this attractive redhead woman across the way, and he ends up meeting her, and then it's like her boss who's involved in this toxic waste dumping thing. So anyway, things spiral out of control. Hijinks ensue. But I was looking at the name of that actress and wondering, oh, I wonder what else she's done over the years. And her name's Leslie Hope, And then I clicked on her name and I'm like, Oh, what else did she do? And it's as famous for being in twenty four, two thousand one, and I'm thinking, Well, I watched twenty four back back when it first launched, like that show was really good. Mm -hmm. Who was she? And she's Jack Bauer's wife, Terry Bauer, who, spoiler alert, dies at the end of season one. Like (laughs) and I had I mean I watched that show. I had no idea that was the same woman from Men at Work. It just blew my mind. I'm still my mind is still blown even just talking about it right now. I just thought that was—I just thought it was the coolest thing. I was like, "Wow!"
1: You know, that's when, you, when you when you tease us on Twitter, I thought there's going to be some <laughs> sort of major star <laughs> hidden in the movie. I'm I'm a little little disappointed.
0: <laughs> it's Terry Bauer, so, man. Like, right. So uh, anyway, that that at work. It's I, funny. So,
1: Go check it out. I was going to say I saw this movie when I was. You know, probably close to when it came out and I didn't like it at all. Remember next to nothing about it. So why should people watch it? Like what? Give them that little bit of guide like this. Put them in the right mindset to watch and enjoy this movie.
0: Oh, I don't know. I don't think it's really good. <laughs> 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 so you're just trolling people. Go watch this no, crappy movie. No, I mean, I <laughs> I have been frustrated because this is not on Netflix and every every so often I'll look for uh-huh. it and I can't find it. I think you can get it on Amazon or Amazon Prime or something like that. But um, it does have funny moments. It's got a guy that was in summer school, another great 80s flick. Yeah. He's like a pizza guy that they kidnap. Uh, there's <laughs> these two like bike cops that they like have a feud with. It's just... It's an endearing it movie. Reminds me of my childhood. I, I think it's funny. It's uh, it's got action. It's got comedy. It's got crime. It's you know the best of all worlds. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so yeah, men at work. It's uh, they don't really make. Well, I guess they do make bad movies like that now, but usually they're like much bigger budget and have big stars in it. I don't know.
1: Well. well- You know, that's actually another great topic I have a I have a guess we could bring in for it. But, yeah, there's lots of really crappy movies. It's just that they go straight to, you know, digital or whatever these days. So they don't get a theatrical release like like Minute Work.
0: But the nice thing about Minute Work is it's one hundred and thirty eight minutes. So it's not like you're spending a lot of time. It's one hour, thirty eight minutes, I should say. So hour and a half. You're in, you're out. That's kind of what a comedy should be. That was the problem with Baywatch. It was just way too long. We saw that over the over last weekend, and it just needed about 15 to 20 minutes cut from it. Sure. <laughs> Don't recommend Baywatch. I do recommend Men at Work. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, you, you probably win the Be Kind Rewind Award of the week. I think people will probably find more consistent entertainment in Supercop than Men at Work, but...
1: I mean, I feel like I do, but, you know, it was my movie choice. So.
0: Menit works more of kind of a a time capsule to go back and look at and be like, oh, wow, this is like 80 going into the 90s. Interesting.
1: Okay, see, this is the setting the table that I was trying to get you to do for people for why they should go into it and enjoy should it. Should I just
0: cause... edit out the last five minutes? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. All right. Anything else? Uh you know, I, I can drone on about all these things endlessly. I got I got nothing huge on the, the top of my head.
0: So we're gonna plan to uh get back together at some point over the next week and do this again for episode three. Topics to be determined. Uh segments mm-hmm. to be determined, but we uh we'll continue working on it. If you got any ideas, hit us up on Twitter. It's probably the easiest thing. I'm at the iddm. T H E I D D M and uh, how can people get in touch with you?
1: Uh, I mean, Twitter is fine for for this. That's kind of where we're interacting in the most about this. And I am at GeekZinga, GeekZinga, all one word with a Z uh, on Twitter. Excellent.
0: All right, I will uh, be talking to you soon. Good to talk to you. Take care, everybody. <laughs>